from Kurtco Media. Coming up on this episode of Life Done Better. Strength training is moments of stress that you're giving your body, but then you're resting. I know at this point that that workout is only going to help me and it doesn't have to be the best workout of my life, but doing something is going to be better than nothing, even if it's 30 minutes. Welcome to Life Done Better. I'm your host, Jill DeYoung. Let's talk about fitness. We all know it's good for us to move our bodies, to strengthen it, and to stretch. But most people have a hard time working out consistently. You may start out excited and motivated, but as soon as life is crazy busy and you start to feel overwhelmed, exercise is not on the priority list any longer. Or maybe it's been too long since you worked out and don't know where to start. Let's talk about fitness and consistency. I have Chelsea here on the show. Chelsea is a certified personal trainer and health coach and pushes her clients to their limit in every strength training session. The power of discipline, consistency, and hard work was learned at a young age. Chelsea became a black belt world champion when she was 12 years old and went on to play soccer for her high school team. In her early 20s, Chelsea got caught up in body shaming and made it her mission to educate women on getting results in a healthy and enjoyable way. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for that intro. So sweet. I know you love fitness or you love what fitness gives you because I think a misconception is that as a personal trainer and if you work in the field that you love every minute of it and it's not like we do, but we love how working out makes us feel. And for you, that is specifically strength training, right? Yeah. How did you get into strength training? And when you talk about strength training, can you clarify what you mean with that? As far as how I got into strength training... So like you had mentioned, I grew up doing sports. I grew up doing Taekwondo and then soccer for a while there. I was doing both of them at the same time. And then with school, it just became too much. And I feel like I was already burnt out by the time I was a junior in high school because I had started so young and went so hard. So by the time I was a junior, I just felt overwhelmed with playing soccer and trying to keep up with school and stuff. So I had quit sports altogether, but I kept eating the same way I was eating. And at that point, I honestly had no idea that there was a connection between the foods you ate and the way that you looked because I was exercising all the time, but didn't think of it as exercise or know what it was doing for my body. So when I quit playing sports and I kept eating what I was eating, which was anything in sight, which was cheese fries, hot Cheetos, chicken sandwiches, Subway, like bowls and bowls of... I would make macaroni sandwiches. Like I would literally get like two to four pieces of Wonder Bread and then cover it in butter and then make a box of mac and cheese and then put mac and cheese in between the bread and eat it like a sandwich. That's wow, ridiculous. <laughs> I would do that like once a week. So when I stopped playing sports and I kept eating that way, I obviously put on like 15, 20 pounds. And then after that, I realized that you know I'd put on weight and it kind of came out of nowhere for me. And so I wasn't doing sports anymore. So at that point, the next thing was to get a gym membership. And then after I was in the gym for a little bit, I didn't know I had no idea what I was doing. I just was kind of going on the Stairmaster and leaving and feeling like I was killing it. But I wasn't touching the weight room because I didn't even know where to start. So I got a trainer myself and I trained for a fitness competition for about three months. And I stuck to it really, really, really consistently. That's kind of how I got into strength training. And I've been doing it ever since. And that was when I was like 18, I think. 
And now you're teaching everyone else also the importance of strength training because it made you feel good. It, did you actually lose the weight with it too? Did you incorporate cardio with it? Yeah. So with my trainer and me training for a fitness competition, I don't necessarily remember paying attention to my actual scale weight. I just remember doing all the workouts I was supposed to do and doing the diet I was supposed to do and noticing that my body was just looking better than it had been. I was feeling more confident. You know, I was taking before and after photos and I was seeing a difference. And so that was really, really exciting. Yeah. And I highly suggest for anyone that's listening that is still getting on the scale day to day or way too often, and it's really affecting your mental health as in, you know, before you get on the scale, you feel pretty good. And after you get off the scale, you know, it's going to ruin your day. Please throw the scale away. It's really important not to get stuck on numbers, but really how you feel in your body. And when you look in the mirror, or if you have, you know, certain clothes that you want to fit, how does it fit? Because the number on the scale really doesn't say much in the end, right? Also, we know now that muscle is heavier than fat. Is it three times? Oh, I don't know how many more times, but I, it's definitely heavier for sure. And it takes up less space, which is why people you know, have a hard time comprehending. I mean, I've posted a picture of myself before of me being, I think like 130 and I looked a certain way and then I was doing weight training and then I posted another picture of me at 135 looking so much more toned, like so much definition in my legs and skinnier, thinner waist or whatever, however you want to say it. But I looked like I had shape to me but my body looked better and I was technically five pounds heavier. So it's, that's why the scale is like, I don't care what it says. I just want to know how I feel and how I look. Yeah. And how functional your body is, right? Because what are you going to do? Like, obviously you're training for your overall health, you're training to feel stronger in your body, but also are there any you know, things that you want to do with it? Are you going, are you planning an adventure? Do you want to try, you know, stand up pedal boarding this summer? Do you want to like climb a mountain, like or go on big hikes? You really do want to get ready for that and prep for that. And I think for me personally, I love setting goals that are experiences other than, oh, I want to look a certain way or I need to like fit in this era of jeans or totally you know like get bikini body ready for the summer those things don't really motivate me as much as I feel like okay well you know one good example is in October we're gonna do the Herbalife triathlon and you know knowing that it's it's coming up you know that you need to start riding the bike and you need to start running again and get working on some swim technique and even though we don't have to be perfect for it we're doing it for fun and it's we have about 4 months to train for it like signing up for something makes it real like it's a commitment and that's also like one thing that i would suggest for everyone that's listening that feels like you know it's hard to be consistent because that consistency is key and we hear it all the time but how do we stay consistent right do you have anything that like you tell yourself, like if you're feeling too tired, but you know that you still should be moving, do you adjust your training schedule or training load? Yeah, definitely. So I went through a personal experience that where I was proven to myself how much energy I actually get from exercising. Cause like I just said, you know, I just worked out and I feel a little bit better than I did this morning. Like that could be a one-off, right? If someone was just doing this for their first time. But I went through this four-month phase where I was doing my personal training internship. And I would get there to train my first client at 7 a.m. But then I had class from 8 a.m. until noon. 
And then since I was already at the gym, I would get in my strength workout, drive home, work on my blog and take care of some online clients. And then I worked at a cocktail bar from normally 5 p.m. until midnight to 2 a.m. And I'd go to sleep and I'd be back at the gym to train my first client at 7. Whew, that sounds like a big day to me. Yeah. And that, that was nonstop. No. Yeah. That was for four months. I mean, it was just madness. And so that moment in time when I was done with class and I was already at the gym and I would drag myself to do a workout, I wasn't setting PRs. You know, I wasn't doing like a five rep max. I wasn't going crazy heavy because I just could not, my body was just so tired. But what I did notice every single time is that I would leave the gym and I would be standing taller. I would be more energetic. I would feel like, honestly, like I just woke up from a nap in a way. Like that's the kind of energy I had. And and I also learned from that period because I was, I remember talking to my coach about it and being like, every day that I go to do this workout, I just want to die. And then I leave (laughs) and I'm like so much better. And that's the motivation I had to keep going and doing that and showing up to do it. But that's when I learned, you know, depending on the kind of exercising you're doing, you could really be putting yourself in a deeper hole of your lack of sleep and your high stress, or you could be helping yourself come out of it. So strength training is moments of stress that you're giving your body, but then you're resting. So if you're a stressed out person who maybe not be sleeping that much, that's actually a really clever way to be training as opposed to someone who's not sleeping and super, super stressed. Maybe they go do a one hour hit class where they're running and they're running and they're not stopping and they're not resting. And then they leave that, they're not going to feel energized after. So it was kind of a cool moment to realize like, okay, even if I am tired, I can still work out. If I do it this way, I actually can get more energy and you don't have to go in and setting PRs. So that's kind of my mindset now. If I'm really tired, but I haven't worked out for like two or three days, I know at this point that that workout is only going to help me and it doesn't have to be the best workout my life, but doing something is going to be better than nothing, even if it's 30 minutes. Yeah. Well, and their schedule obviously predicts if you can squeeze it in. But what, so what I always say to my clients is you've got to schedule it in because you may think that you're able to squeeze something in later today, but later today you have other things to do and people are pulling you in, in different directions and those calls you need to return and those emails are waiting for you. And you know what? You don't have time for exercise anymore. But if you schedule schedule it and it is the, the same time, the same week, you are going to program your mind and body to just move in that direction. You're like, okay, you know what? It's time and make it as important as work. Mm-hmm. And working out alone is already so rewarding, but also working out triggers many other healthy behaviors. Like I eat much better when I work out because I just worked hard. So I'm going to make a salad and have my quinoa and lean protein. And well, I sleep much better. So when I sleep better, I have a can-do attitude. I'm much more positive, patient and loving. And I think that's, you know, a big one, right? Oh my gosh, totally. The sleep is so noticeable too. It's crazy. Yeah, to really get into that deep sleep where you like, ah, like just when you're really thirsty in that one glass of water, you know, it just <laughs> makes you feel so good. And yeah, now a lot of women think that strength training is going to bulk them up. They're a little bit scared of the weight room and doing strength training. Can you tell me a little bit about how you feel about your body and how it's developed? And do you feel bulky? You know, because you are working with heavier weights. Yeah. So, that's definitely a conversation that I have with almost all of my clients and the the fear is there, but 
it's interesting. A lot of girls that I work with are like, I really want to grow my glutes. I really want to grow my glutes. And I'm like, okay, it's going to be hard because growing muscle is really hard. And then they try to do it and we're working on it and we're working on it. And it's like, it's not growing at the extent that they want it to, or it's not getting as maybe big as they want it to. And they're like, what's the deal? You know, and I have to remind them like growing muscle is extremely hard and you have to eat more in order to, to grow this muscle and to feed the muscle. So at least if girls go through that, it's an easier segue for me to remind them like you won't get bulky because we're going actually heavy for your glutes. We're not even going that heavy compared to your glutes with other body parts and you're still not even eating enough to grow your glutes. So the thing with getting bulky is obviously some people want to do that and they have specific areas where they want to do that, but your training actually doesn't change very much depending on if you're trying to lose body fat or if you're trying to grow a muscle really the main thing that's going to change is someone's diet. So if you have person A who is eating a 300 calorie surplus every single day and they're lifting relatively heavy, then they may start to gain muscle. And if they repeat these exercises and depending on what they're doing, whether it's hip thrust or maybe they're doing overhead military press or whatever, then they could start to gain muscle in all these areas. But if you have person B who's doing heavier hip thrust and heavier overhead military press, but they're eating in a 200 calorie deficit every single day, then their body isn't going to get be given the amount of fuel that it needs in order to grow. So that person will actually end up gaining strength and gaining muscle, but they'll actually probably recomp themselves. So they'll burn more body fat while maintaining more muscle and they'll have a different physique than the person that's eating more. So fine-tuning your diet is super important, but how do you know how much you need? Because obviously it's not the same for everyone. Yeah, there's a bunch of like equations to figure out what you need. One that I've read about from multiple people that I trust in the fitness industry and what seems to be pretty accurate for my clients that I have log for maybe four days and then we do this calculation, the overall calories that they've consumed on average in those four days usually does end up being pretty close to the number that we find. So If you're a fairly active person, what I say is that you can try taking your current body weight and multiplying it by 15. And that typically will give you a pretty good idea of how many calories you're averaging per week, but per day. So what that means is like, say it comes out to 2000 and you're looking at that number and you're like, there's no way 2000 calories a day. It's possible that what it means is just that maybe you eat 1500 Monday through Thursday, but then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you eat 2500. So your overall average maybe comes out to about 2000. So you can do that. You can also just do what I said and food log absolutely everything just for like four days and take the average. And that'll give you a general idea of how many calories you're currently consuming. So whatever your current average is, is typically a good indicator of how many calories it takes to maintain your body weight, assuming that you're not in a position where you're suddenly gaining a bunch of weight or suddenly losing a bunch of weight. So then now you know your average, depending on what your goals are, if it's to lose fat, you might decrease that average by about only 200 a day and and stick with that. Or if it's to gain, you add about 200 a day. It doesn't have to be super crazy. No, that that just sounds just like a snack, right, Chelsea? Yeah. It's nice to know that because I think a lot of people think like, oh, I want to go into this deficit. I need to decrease by 600 a day. And you know, then that's not attainable. So when you decrease just a little see how your body responds and then, or, you know, vice versa. And then you change accordingly again. 
Yeah. Well, I personally love to work out because I can eat more too. So I definitely work hard to eat more. I love food. And, you know, like I was telling a friend the other day, you know, I I realized I don't have a lot of fear in my life. You know, I've overcome a lot. I've pushed myself to do a lot of things that I was scared of. And at this point in my life, I'm most scared of not eating. Can you believe it? It's just so funny (laughs) when people talk about intermittent fasting or fasting for days and, you know, only doing water or juicing or whatever else. I'm like, that's, that's my biggest fear right now. (laughs) Like, because I, I know, and it it comes back to the sleeping part. If I'm hungry, I don't sleep well. If I don't sleep well, I don't function well. And so, but it was just funny to have that reaction. It's a nightmare, yeah. We are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Chelsea Rose. On medicine, we're still practicing. Join Dr. Stephen Tabak and Bill Curtis for real conversations with the medical professionals who have their finger on the pulse of healthcare in the modern world. Available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Produced by Kurt Co. Media. Welcome back. I'm chatting with fitness expert Chelsea Rose. Nutrition is what it's all about. Like that's when we talk about the calorie intake, we want to make sure that it's quality calories. And obviously for building more muscle, you want to have quality protein. What are some of the best quality protein food items that you take in? So what I have been doing for a couple of months now that I find works really well for a couple of reasons. One, this helps me from eating out so much, which my fiance would love to do more often. But if I tell him I already bought all the food for this week, then it helps us just stay home and eat. <laughs> and it helps me understand how much kind of protein we're having and also gets a good good variety. So what I've been doing for a couple of months is every Sunday, hopefully if I miss it, I'll do it Monday, but definitely Sunday or Monday. I just order from Whole Foods like five or six different main proteins that we're going to have for dinner because then I know that we're going to have them for dinner. And if there is leftovers and it turns into lunch the next day. So my go-tos are, I always get like flank steak, salmon, shrimp, pork, ground beef. And then the last one is kind of random. It'll maybe ground turkey or ahi filet or something like that. But we get like a mix of these different proteins in throughout the week. And it's been really good. I really like this little strategy that we have because then once I know what protein we have, then what I do is I just go on Google and Google like simple, healthy ground beef recipe. And then you'll get a bunch of different recipes to choose from. And so you can always like count on having your main protein and then kind of creating a meal around that instead of having like, I'm going to have pasta tonight. And then what is my protein? I say my protein tonight is six to eight ounces of steak or pork. And what are my sides going to be with that? And so you're eating animal-based protein mainly, and that works best for you. You feel good. Your digestion is good. Your skin is clear. Yeah, because I was, I grew up eating meat and then I moved to Los Angeles and I decided to be pescatarian for like three or four years or something. And I didn't realize how much energy I was lacking until the next time that I ate meat, which was so, so, so random. But it was like my best friend and I went to Korean barbecue, which is so aggressive as like a first day back into eating meat. But I would go to Korean barbecue all the time with my friends and I would always eat like all the sides and not have any of the meat or like all the vegetables and stuff. But this one time I was like, I don't know why, but it just sounds so good. Like it was a weird moment where my body was literally like craving it. 
And so I was like, whatever, I'll just have some. It's, it's just meat. And so I had it. And I remember sitting there looking at my friend being like, oh my gosh, I have not felt this energized in years. Like still at, at the dinner table, I felt that way. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. So I slowly started introducing it back in. Chicken was always a little weird for me, but everything else was great. Well, it's so good to listen to your body because, you know, we change our diets. We can change our diets so many times in our lifetime. Like we don't have to stick to one routine. Mm -hmm. We can really give ourselves permission to ask our body, hey, what do you need? And obviously you want to eat as healthy as you can. I also want to talk about like when my clients say, I fell off the wagon, I had a piece of toast or I'm like, what what do you mean? Like you had a piece, that's Mm -hmm. fine. You can Mm -hmm. have bread. It's fine. You know, there's a lot of like guilt uh, when you think about eating well and, you know, what is bad, what is good. And I always also hear a lot about cheat meals. And I always say, cheat meals, we we don't cheat, we treat ourselves. (laughs) Because again, it is a negative connotation to food. And I think we can be easy on ourselves when it comes to, hey, eat well most of the time. You don't have to worry what you eat on your birthday or Thanksgiving dinner. It's what you do on all the other days that you should be more worried about. Yeah. I'm like very, very guilty. I used to do that all the time. And I feel like when people tell you, you know, just don't say that it's a cheat meal. It sounds like one of those things where you're just like, okay, and then what? Like that alone is going to make such a big difference. And it sounds like it won't, but it does. It really, really, really does. When you start to disconnect from that way of thinking, I feel like you just start to behave differently. And it's like what you said, it's like, if we can start to see more of what the habit is leading up to the decision rather than the decision, then it makes a huge difference in what we decide and and how we feel about it. That's really well said. I, I really love the thought of being more kind to ourselves and in and always because I, I also know that you got caught up in body shaming. And as a model, obviously I got judged. Every client would look at me as a product and would, you know, be judged on my appearance. And so obviously there's a lot that comes with that. Mm-hmm. So can you share a little bit about your body shaming and where it maybe started or if you are aware where it started and how it kind of developed and how you were able to to move on from it? Yeah. Well, gosh, I just, with you being a model, I just, I feel for all these models. Cause I'm like, Oh man, I hope that you can pull your mindset to where yours is because that just seems so hard. So my situation was again, like playing sports. I didn't realize I was working out. Right. So it wasn't really until I'd say around the same time that I realized that I had gained weight after that, I got a fitness coach to train for the um, competition And I think it was like right around that time that like Instagram came out. And so all at the same time, I now had access to all these other girls and I was finding like other girls that were working out on Instagram. And, you know, then the comparing kind of started and I didn't even realize this until I thought about it like a couple of weeks ago, but it was all at the same time. And I feel like that had to have had an impact on the way I was viewing myself because I went from never really paying attention to my body to being so hyper aware of it to almost hating my body. And I don't even really know where that had come from. And I'm thinking that it was a combination of the weight gain plus having access to all these other people. So from there, I just went through this phase where I just wanted to be as skinny as humanly possible. And so I had trained for the fitness competition. And then I ended up getting invited to France like for a trip like two weeks before the show. And it was going to be during the show. So I was like, all right, I can, I can do a fitness competition anytime. 
I probably won't get invited to France for the moment again. So I'm going to go to France and I had the best time. But when I got back, I was just like, okay, I just want to be as skinny as I possibly can. And at that point I got in, did something that I obviously would never suggest to absolutely anyone. And I feel comfortable telling the story because I hope that it's more of a motivating factor for someone to do things the right way, which is what I obviously ended up doing. But I went and got Adderall and I just did Adderall for like three months and I was in school and I was just focusing on cardio and studying and cardio and studying and then hardly eating. And it was terrible. And I was getting migraines and I was getting sleep paralysis and that started happening and it was horrible. And I couldn't figure out why those were happening. But looking back, it's because I was just drilling myself to the bone and not taking care of myself. And um, so I did that for three months and lost like all the weight and plus some and you know, after that, I kind of had to face the fact that like, okay, because my parents found out I was taking it and they had a chat with me and they basically were like, you cannot be doing this. So luckily I listened. I feel like a lot of people wouldn't, but luckily I did. And I ended up putting all the way back on plus some, I was more, I was the most unmotivated I'd ever been in my life. My best friend was like, Chelsea, like you have to come with me to the gym. Like you can't just sit here. Like I was just like so over it. So after that, I started realizing like, okay, like I have to do this the healthy way because the only other option for me was to do that. And I just thankfully was able to look into the future and be like, that's not going to end well. So I took it upon myself to get more educated with how to do things the right way. And that's always a journey, of course, because there's so much information out there. But from there, I started going to the gym. I was eating clean. I was doing things the correct way. I felt more confident than ever because everything obviously is so much better when you actually work for it. And that was like a huge push for me to just share training with other women. And I think that's kind of how I started getting into training because I was like, I know you can do it and I know it sucks. But like, this is going to feel so good for you to work for this body. But I remember I moved to LA and I felt really confident with where I was at the time. And I was doing a little bit of modeling myself. And basically there was this lady who we had to like send photos to and stuff. And I sent her one of my pictures. And I remember that picture in my head still thinking. And to this day, I know like that was a good picture. Like, And she was like, Chelsea, you really need to get it together. Like you're not even comparing to the other girls or something like that. And I was just like, eh, this industry is not for me. I don't, I can't do this. Like, I know I look great. I don't need you to tell me that I need to change anything. Like, yeah, luckily I pulled out of that. Oh, I'm so glad you shared that because it's so important to know that you can, we can make our life so miserable trying to find shortcuts and doing things that are harmful to our body. Mm-hmm. But then when you get step out and also you do not, you decided not to like have to fit a certain box anymore. You're like, I'm going to create my own standards of, of what I want to look like. I don't need anyone else to judge me or compare me. We already do that so much ourselves. So like, yeah. Like, wow, I know I feel good and I look good and I'm healthy. And that's most important because we cannot control what other people think or say or do, but we can control what we say, do, or think. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of women in my group of friends love Pilates and they're like, well, that's kind of my strength training, even though it's completely different. How would you compare Pilates to strength training? And would you say it adds nicely to strength training? Yeah. So I personally like Pilates. I enjoy taking the classes. There's different kinds of Pilates, of course. You know, sometimes there's a mat Pilates and there's a reformer. And then sometimes people will like have you do some strength with the Pilates. So I think it's a great addition. Like the core work in Pilates is just unparalleled. Like you can't, you can't get that kind of core work. I call it slow torture, Chelsea. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. For me, like when I think about Pilates, it's slow torture. It totally is. 
I think it's a great addition. So for me personally, though, when I was in a position of trying to lose 15, 20 pounds, I was doing bar and Pilates and I didn't see a single change in my physique. And I was good about taking the before and after pictures and stuff. So in my personal opinion, I think that if you're looking to lose a decent or significant amount of weight. I just don't know if the style of Pilates training is necessarily going to be the end-all be-all solution. I think it's a great addition, but in my opinion with Pilates, you know, you're doing sometimes 30, 50 reps of something. So your body is kind of working more in this endurance range rather than working in this strength range. But if you think about it, your muscles can do 30, 50 reps of that thing. So it's not necessarily as challenging as you think it is or compared to what you could do. So I think if someone's looking to lose a significant amount of weight or put on a good amount of muscle or tone, you know, if they can do 50 reps of this, that means they can do 10 reps of something heavier. And when you're doing that heavier weight, it's kind of like going to work and then getting paid for overtime because you're going to finish those 10 reps and you're going to experience a caloric burn for the next 24 hours. Whereas if you're doing more cardio stuff, you're burning more calories during the actual cardio portion or this endurance style training. But as soon as you're walking out of that workout room, you're pretty much done burning calories from that workout. The strength training is going to help build more muscle after the workout. And it's also going to help give you more muscle, which will also help you burn more calories at rest. So I think if you're going to do strength training and Pilates, I think it depends on where you're starting and then also what your goals are. And then, like I said, I I think it's great to just also do the two of them. Yeah. And I think you can't really go wrong with exercise. And obviously when you have very specific goals, you may be a little bit more specific with your workout schedule, but moving overall is, is a blessing. And I think that is a good mindset that, you know, we, we can move, like we can actually get through a workout and that is a blessing. Mm -hmm. You know, when people say, I don't have enough time to exercise, I say, well, we all have 168 hours every week to do all the things we need to do. Work, eat, sleep. We all have the same amount of time in a week, right? And so why do other people have time to exercise? Because they make time to exercise. It is about that dedicating time to it. If, if I asked you to dedicate as little as 1.8% to exercise, what would you say? It's only three one-hour sessions or six 30-minute sweat sessions in a week. Sounds like a tiny little time investment, right? Mm-hmm. So think again. Do you really have no time to exercise? Yeah. And with that, I think that if people just can't get their their rhythm down, I think that makes up for a big part of why people don't exercise or feel like they have the time. Because you know, if you have to, in order to exercise, you have to drive 45 minutes to your class and then maybe it takes you an hour to get home plus the hour that you're training... Now it's not just that one hour. And so instead of using that as an excuse to not exercise, we have to say, okay, well, you're either obviously never going to exercise then because that time commitment for one day, three days a week, or, you know, is too much. Then your only other option is to find a way to make it easier for yourself. And then that's it. You literally only have those two options. And so sometimes it's just understanding why the workouts aren't happening 
and then figuring out a way to make them easier. So like when COVID first happened, I wasn't working out at home. That sounds terrible. I never wanted to work out at home. I want to work out in the gym. I want to go. I want to have my headphones on. I want to do the whole thing. I'd make the time obviously to do the sauna and everything after. It was an experience that I absolutely loved. So going from that to knowing like, okay, I don't have that option anymore. So I either don't exercise or I figure out how to do it from home. And so even that transition was hard for me. And I like to exercise, but when I was doing it at home, I noticed that I was missing more workouts than I care to admit because I just didn't have my setup the right way. So the more steps it takes you to get to do the thing that you don't really even have that much determination to do in the first place, the less likely you are to actually do it. I try to tell people whether it's diet or fitness related or whatever, realize that you're not doing it and then backtrack until you figure out what's the main thing blocking you from doing it and then decide what your options are to removing that. Yeah, that's a good one. At home fitness, it's, it's a big thing now. What kind of fitness tools do you like to have at home at all times? So this was definitely a big question during COVID. People were just like, okay, what's the bare minimum that I should have that will last me for a really long time? For the training that I do for clients online, it's 90% of the time it's personalized. So I do have two clients that I still train online. It's been like 13 months now going on 14 where they just literally, the two of them just happen to have one 25 pound kettlebell and they've been seeing results this entire time. And so I know how to progress them, even though they're using the same weight. There's multiple ways to, to progress somebody, even if their weight stays the same. So if you can get a plan like that, then that's helpful because then you're not having to, in, to invest in much more equipment and your plan can be progressive. But for a majority of clients that were like, I'm willing to spend a tiny bit of money, but I'm also not trying to get a full-blown gym at home. What can I do? I would tell everyone, have one set of weights that you feel comfortable using for upper body. So for most of my girls, it was like 7 to 12 pounds, somewhere in that range. I would have them get a set of those. And then I would tell them to get a booty band. I have one that I made that's super strong and really good for glute exercises and adds a lot of resistance. So a lot of them would get that. And then I would have them get one heavy weight. So one weight anywhere from like 35 to 50 pounds and just have one of those. Because what we could do is if say they got the two 10 pound weights. With the 10 pound weights, we're doing, you know, some upper body stuff, or just higher reps if we need to. And then they can use that for squats. And now they have 20 pounds for squats or walking lunges and things like that. So it's helpful to have at least one dumbbell or kettlebell that's heavier than the combination of what you have. So 35 pounds could be a good option for someone for hip thrust, or they could also just hold that one 35 pound dumbbell for walking lunges, reverse lunges, things like that. So between one set of lightweights, one heavier weight and a booty band, people can do so much. Huh, see, it really does not require all that much. I love hearing that because personally, I have you know a full gym available to me at the house. I've been training clients here one-on-one -on -one, and I have everything available and I have all these fun TRX functional training tools. And I keep saying to my clients too, I know you come here obviously you know, to get out of your house and to have you know your personalized training, but all these things that we're doing and we use tools for, you don't need to use tools for. We're just doing a lot of variation and 
and make it more fun and playful. And a lot of these exercises, and those are the basic moves like squatting, lunges, planks, ab exercises, you can do at home. If you have a staircase, you know, you can do so much or even a kitchen counter there, you know, if you wanted to do raised push-ups, you can do so much with furniture and just having a mat to exercise on at home. But if you are working out from home or if you're planning to go back to a gym or a mix of them, I just want to say that the one thing that you want to make sure that you're doing is, is have great alignment. Make sure that your alignment is spot on because poor alignment really can lead to injuries. If you keep repeating the same exercises and your alignment is not great, your body is going to suffer. And so I would love to ask you, Chelsea, if you can give like a really good tip on how to like be more aware of your alignment. Do you stand in front of a mirror? Do you think a couple of sessions with a personal trainer would be helpful? How do you teach alignment best? That's a great thing to bring up, definitely, because like this last week, I saw three new people and they were like, yeah, I've been kind of doing like some exercise here and there throughout COVID. You know, and I asked them, have you ever had anyone look at your form? And it's like, no. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to go through the session with you because yeah, even if someone does one session with me where I can just see what they're doing in person, I'll take them through all the movement patterns so that we can get a really good idea of like, how are you when you're on a unilateral position, like a step up or a reverse lunge and how is your plank and how's your push up and really just looking at their push, their pull, their hinge, all these things. It's sometimes such an easy adjustment. Like sometimes it's more just muscle to mind connection and body awareness than it is them not being able to do the form correctly. For example, like I looked at a client and she was like right there with good form, but had she started going up in weight and kept squatting the way that she was squatting, I feel like she would have busted a knee at some point because toes were out a little too drastically. And when she was coming up and down, the knees were kind of buckling in a little too drastically. And when we were doing it, you know, she had five pounds and it was just the first round, but I was able to kind of tell her and show her. And within a quick adjustment, she understood, oh, this is what it's supposed to look like. So yes, that is really helpful. Even if you can get in one session with a personal trainer, I think you'll learn so much. The second thing is, and this is something that I still do. I mean, I did it today, is just film yourself. I don't love the looking in the mirror thing because you're always cranking your neck in a direction and not really focused on how you feel in the exercise. You're more trying to see how you look. And I feel like half the time your chin's too far up off of your chest or, you know, like I said, turning your neck too far that it's not even helping you get in the right form. So if you can just film yourself, maybe once from the back and once from the side, and you know what it's supposed to look like, then that's a really quick way to see like, oh, I didn't even know that my back was arching in this or that my knees were buckling in this. So that's some kind of like easy fixes if you know how the form's supposed to look. Well, I, you know, we should definitely have everyone that's listening follow you on your Instagram and your website. Can you spell your Instagram name, please? Yeah. So my Instagram is Chelsea Rose Health. It's C-H-E-L-S-E-Y. And then Rose, R-O-S-E, health, H-E-A-L-T-H. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Chelsea. You and I uh, know how hard it can be to be consistent. You and I also know all the things that we can do, easy cuts, things that actually are not going to be good for us long-term. And so we're on the other side and hope that everyone that's listening has learned a thing or two today, feels a little bit more inspired and motivated and be kind to yourself. It's a journey, you know, like life is has a lot of ups and downs and exercise is going to help you feel more resilient 
resilient, not just in your body, but you know, emotionally, spiritually, you're going to just feel stronger. And hey, if you have ever been curious about strength training, this is the time. Go invest some time in it and always, always educate yourself. Ask good questions and make sure you have great alignment. Chelsea, thanks again and much love to you all. This episode was produced and edited by AJ Mosley for Kurtco Media. Thank you so much to Chelsea Rose for joining us on the show today. If you know someone who is just starting their fitness journey or someone who may just benefit from Chelsea's expert advice, share this episode with them today. As always, my friends, have a wonderful day and I'll see you soon. From Kurtco Media, media for your mind.